Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. One of the things as we, before we dive into this series that I want you to know part of the reason that we do this, because sometimes, you know, you do a series like this and some folks are thinking, well, you know, pastor, you're, you're talking about relationships where we're not talking about the gospel. We, you know, we're not, we're not talking about Jesus. Are we really going to talk about relationships on a Sunday? Absolutely. Because here's the deal. A lot of people need an infusion of Jesus into their relationships. They need an infusion of the gospel into their relationships their relationships don't look like the way they're supposed to look like sometimes our our relationships are are being done for all of the wrong reasons and for all the wrong purposes and so it's important that we talk about it so i'm excited to dig in are you guys excited to dig in all right go with me to the book of judges and we're going to be reading from chapter 13 the first of five verses of the book of Judges. Um, and, and I'm excited to wrap this one up and send us on home. Y'all ready for it? All right, here it goes. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Everybody say 40 years. A certain man from Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless she was unable to give birth next verse says so the angel of the lord appeared to her and said you are barren and childless but i love this here comes the promise you are going to become pregnant and you are going to give birth to a son now see to it that you drink no more wine or anything else that's fermented and that you do not eat anything unclean you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor which means you can't cut his hair because the boy is to be a Nazarite he is to be dedicated to God from the womb he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines everybody say Philistines he's saying he's gonna take the lead and delivering Israel from their oppressors. And in this moment in time, because Israel had a lot of different oppressors over lots of different periods of times, but the oppressors were the Philistines. So today, I want to talk to you for the next few moments simply on the anchor message to this series that we've been in, and it's called Relationship Goals. Relationship Goals goals let's take a moment and pray i'm gonna seat you and we're gonna dive in and we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of fun this morning i can't wait the 9 30 a.m they laughed a lot let's see if y'all gonna laugh and go with me just as much all right let's pray father in the name of jesus we thank you for your goodness we thank you for your grace we thank you for all the incredible things that you are already doing here today god and now as we get to the hearing of your word i pray father that as i speak to the large audience that you would speak uniquely that you would speak individually that you would just speak so personally to every person that is in this place that's our prayer today lord that you would do what you want to do and we step out of the way to what your spirit is going to say in jesus name we pray Amen. Clap your hands one last time, and you may be seated. It's a little cold in the tent this morning. I get it, so I'm going to warm this up, all right? Let's warm up the tent. Y'all ready to go with me? Okay. How many of you remember the name of your first love? 
And I know that person ain't sitting next to you and they ain't your spouse. Because here's what we're going to do. You know the name of your first love, okay? And so what we're going to do on the count of three, every single one of you is going to say out loud the name of the first girl or the first boy that you love. Y'all ready? Here we go on the count of three. Loud and proud. I want you to say it. Here we go. One, two. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. Some of you are like, Pastor, are you trying to wreck my marriage this morning? <laughs> like, we just fought about her yesterday. And, and it's funny, we always get like real spiritual people. They're like, my first love was Jesus. Listen, unless his name was really Jesus and he's from the Vista Magnet School, your first love wasn't Jesus. All right, quit playing. Try, stop trying to be so super spiritual this morning. But, but we remember, right? It's like you were probably 12 or 13 years old, and that's when you had your first crush. That, that's when it was like you felt all of the warm and the fuzzies and the butterflies and the thing is and you're all going to be honest because it's just it's a Sunday and we're in a tent which is our church today but uh but um you never forget the name you might forget like some of the other girls or the other dudes but the first one you're kind of like oh yeah I'm never going to really forget that name and it's because it's kind of an awkward puppy love kind of romance and the reason I'm talking about that and the reason I wanted to get some of that on the plate today is because today we're going to talk about Samson everybody say Samson Samson is a judge that we find in the book of Judges, and Samson had a first love, and we're going to unpack his relationship with his first love and why it actually proved to be so detrimental to who he was and people that would come later in the life of Samson. Now, now many people don't know this. People just know of Samson and Delilah. Everybody say Delilah. But Delilah was not Samson's first love. No, there's another lady. There was another young girl in the Bible that was Samson's first love. And that's who I want to talk to you about today. Because we all know about Delilah. And Delilah was a baddie, okay? <laughs> like, De Delilah was a girl that, that you brought home and your mom's like, not her. <laughs> not, not, not her. And, and listen to me, boys. You'd be wise to listen to your mom. They got that mother's intuition. So if you bring home a girl and your mama says, anybody but her, you listen in because that's who Delilah was. So, so Delilah was a baddie. Delilah had no business being with Samson, and, uh, and, and they, they try to warn her. They try to warn Samson. They're like, you can have a lot of girlfriends, but, but you, can't, you can't have Delilah for a girlfriend. If you're wondering, how bad could it have been? Well, she ultimately got him killed, okay? So if you're wondering, like, how bad could it be, Pastor? Well, ultimately, she led to his big downfall, and ultimately, um, she got him killed. But, but Delilah actually represents a cycle everybody say cycle she wasn't his first love she wasn't his first girl she was just the last one that got him into a lot of trouble but there was a cycle that began much earlier so we're going to talk about her okay so there was another philistine girl and all we know from the scriptures is that she lived in timna everybody say timna now, I had to give her a name because we're going to personalize it because if I don't, because now you're never going to forget this young lady, okay? So we're going to call her Taylor, okay? Her name is Taylor, and she's from Timna, and her last name is Swift, all right? So now we've given her a name. You're never going to forget Taylor from Timna. So let's talk about how this all started because, as I said just a minute ago, um, Samson was born into a home where um, the mom was barren. She couldn't have a kid, and, and really early on, we learned that God gave Samson to Manoah and to his wife because he was going to judge. Everybody say judge. 
the Philistines. What did that mean? Well, what would happen in history was Israel, which was God's chosen people, they would be oppressed by other people groups. I mean, they were fighting with, like, you know, the Philistines. They were fighting with the Hivites. They were fighting with the Jebusites. Some say they were fighting with Cellulite. But whatever, it was a lot of different tribes that they fought with. And what would happen was as they were being oppressed, Israel didn't have a king at this time. So God would raise up like a superhero. And this is what the judges were. And they were men and women. Come on, ladies, make some noise. There was Deborah, the judge, and she led. Yeah, this is in the Bible, okay? Um, she was one of the judges. And what they would do was lead Israel into freedom over who their oppressors were. So sometimes there were males, sometimes there were females, but these are who the judges were. Now, now God was getting ready to send another judge by the name of Samson. And let me describe Samson to you, okay? Samson never cut his hair, so he had long flowing locks. Samson was extremely strong, so you know he was buff. It's rumored that he had an Australian accent and he looked exactly like Chris Hemsworth. Okay, so basically think of Thor. All right. Think of Thor from the Marvel movies. That is Samson. He's a, he's a, he's attractive. Yeah, there's the same girl still receiving it. First service when I described Samson, she started claiming him. She was like, forget Boaz. I want Samson anyway. Um, so Samson, this is who he is. And we get to the next passage of scripture. So the very next chapter, let's dive into who Taylor is, okay? So Judges chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. I'll get the scriptures on the screens. It says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. Everybody say saw. <laughs> That's his undoing right there. He saw, okay? And when he came home, he said to his mom and his dad, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her to be my wife. That's the way it was back then. Apparently, you didn't make a move. You didn't slide into the DMs. You simply went to their dad and said, can you make her my wife? And the parents would go and arrange a marriage, all right? That's just how it was. But listen, his mom and dad, knowing the call on his life, they said to him, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives? Apparently, Samson lived in Arkansas, and this was okay, you know, this relative. Anyway, forget it. It's a southern joke. Isn't there an acceptable woman among your cousins or among our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, could you get her for me? She's the right one. Listen to me. Samson only saw her, and he's like, she's the right one. He, he never talked to her, and he's like, She's the right one. He, he doesn't know anything about her. He doesn't know what she believes. He doesn't know what her values are. He doesn't know what her last name is. He doesn't know if this woman is crazy, okay? He doesn't know if she, he doesn't even know what her credit score is, right? He, he doesn't know if she likes pineapples on her pizza, okay? Like, like really, truly important things. He doesn't know any of it. He made a decision based off of what he saw. I could shut the Bible right there, and I think you've got a message in and of itself right there, but we're going to go on. But, but he just makes a decision solely based on what he saw. Now, when Samson's parents found out about Taylor, they said, listen, you, you, you are an Israelite. There is a calling on your life. You have a special vow over you. In so many ways, they're saying, Samson, don't you know who you are? The problem is Samson didn't know who he was. Let's just start there. Samson really didn't know who he was. And if you're writing notes, write this down. Here's the first thing you need to know about relationships. When you don't know who you are, you bring someone else into that relationship. When, when you don't know who you really are, 
You bring someone else into a relationship that you're about to get into. Samson didn't know who he was. His parents were trying to remind him, this is the call on your life. This is who God created you to be. And none of that mattered to Samson. All Samson saw was Taylor. Samson saw Taylor, and he's like, I I just want to marry her. And keep in mind, Samson was supposed to be judging the Philistines, not sleeping with them. And he, he, he's literally and figuratively getting in bed with the enemy and, and, and because he didn't know who he was. And, and so I think what happens is, is that in the same way in relationships, if we can make an application, too many times people enter into a relationship and they don't know who they are. They have not yet figured out who they are, and then they enter into a relationship, and that's the wrong way to enter into a relationship. I think people are just so thirsty to be into a relationship that they'll be anyone to get the guy, or they'll be anyone to get the girl. It's like, baby, who do you need me to be? You know what I mean? That's who I can be. And so they enter into relationships, and the problem is not only do they not know who they are, but they're going to confuse the other person because the other person doesn't know who you are because you're too busy trying to be all things to all people so that you might win some. No, that's the verse taking, completely taken out of context from the Apostle Paul. But my point being is when you don't know who you are, you just bring anyone into a relationship. And Samson didn't know who he was. He was confused about who he was. And yet he says, I want to be with her. And not just I want to be with her. He said, I want to marry her. And let me give you some more notes here. When you don't know who you are, you start making decisions who are incongruent with who God made you to be. So it's so important before you enter into a relationship that you figure out who God made you to be. And it is only once you know who God has made you to be that now you're ready to enter into a relationship. Now, I know that's a hot take, and I know that's not what culture says, and I know people want to enter in a relationship simply because of how someone looks on the outside, but this is what got Samson into trouble. This is what got Samson into a relationship with Taylor. So we have to first figure out who we are. Can I get a good amen on that? Because here's the deal. How can you make value-based decisions if you don't know what your values are? How can you make a decision based on values if you haven't defined the values for your life? And and, and what I want to do is help you with this. Listen to me, people, is that you have got to first make sure that you have taken care of this before you go and try to enter into this. So let let me give you another note to write down. Don't make a goal out of the wrong relationship. That's what we're talking about here in this series called Relationship Goals. Because sometimes you see a guy on Instagram and you're like, oh, baby, he's goals. You don't know the guy. But we're just so, we just won't be in a relationship. Like, oh, he's goals or she's goals. The only thing that should be your goal is getting your relationship right with God. That, that, that has got to be the foundation to every other relationship in your life. We make the wrong goals out of the wrong relationships. And when you enter into a relationship that way, two people are going to end up getting hurt. Two people that are still trying to very much figure out who they are are going to get hurt. So you got to get this. You got to get the vertical relationship right if you are going to get the horizontal relationship right. And Samson, he doesn't bring the best version of himself into this marriage. He doesn't know who he is. He, he, he isn't aware of who God made him to be. And his parents are trying to tell him, Samson, this is who you are. And yet he just goes into the relationship anyway, and it ends, up being, uh, it ends up being a very bad relationship from the start. So let's go on because I want you to get more of the story of Samson and Taylor. You guys tracking with me so far? All right. So the Bible says that when Samson was in Timnah, one day he sees a lion, 
and 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 because he's got like Thor strength and good looks and he's buff, he the Bible says that this lion tried to attack and he just killed that lion with his bare hands. He just ripped that lion to shreds and and he leaves the carcass on the side of the road and he comes back about a week later and when he notices the lion on the side of the road, he sees that bees had made a honeycomb inside of this lion. All right, and and so Samson's got a weird sense of humor and so he decides to make a riddle out of what just happened there. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to make a riddle, and I'm going to go tell it to Taylor. Because he knows nothing about Taylor, he thinks she's going to like his riddle. She don't like his riddle. But he don't know nothing about her because he made a decision based off of looks. But he tells her, oh, I've got this riddle, and she's not into it. So, so then he tells 30 other men. Everybody say Philistine men. He tells 30 other Philistine men the riddle. And, and, and because Samson's got a weird sense of humor, because he don't know who he is, he tells the Philistines this. He goes, listen, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a riddle. And if you can guess my riddle in seven days, I'm going to give all 30 of you brand new clothes. I'm going to go to the local department store, and I'm going to get you some fresh drip. What do you want? You want some Balenciaga? You want some Gucci? You want some Off-White? You just tell me. I'm going to hook you up. But then he says, if you can't get the answer to my riddle, then all of you have to give me the best of your drip. I want your best clothes if you can't get the answer to my riddle. Now, let me just pause here. This is a judging the Philistines, and instead, he's playing with them. Said differently, he's playing with his enemy. Said differently, instead of doing what he's supposed to do with his enemy, he's playing games with his enemy. And there's a great application in there for us, too, because too many times we play games with the enemy. And the enemy only plays one way, and that is for keeps. When you're playing games with the enemy, what you need to know is the way that the enemy plays is he plays to steal, he plays to kill, and he plays to destroy. So we got to tell your neighbor, stop playing games with the enemy. Come on, tell them that loud and proud. Say, stop playing games with the enemy. Pastor Josh, I'm not playing games with the enemy. No, but you're playing games with the administrative assistant at work. So, so sometimes the enemy just looks a little different. Pastor, I, I'm, not, I'm not playing games. You keep on weaking at the UPS guy every time he comes by your office. You're playing games with the enemy. You're playing games with your enemy when you're too busy looking at something on your phone instead of being present with your spouse idolizing other relations. We play games with the enemy. It's just it don't look like how it did with Samson. But Samson's busy playing games with the enemy. And when he does that, it begins to impact his marriage. Let me, let me, let me read it to you. Let's go to the next passage of Scripture, Judges 14, verses 15 through 16. He's, he's playing games with the enemy and watches how it affects his marriage, okay? It says, on the fourth day, they, those 30 Philistine men, they said to Samson's wife, would you coax your husband or would you trick him into explaining the riddle to us? Or we're going to burn you and your father's household to death. Look at how the one minute Samson's playing with the enemy, the next minute the enemy's saying, we're going to kill your wife or we're going to take her father down too. We're going we're to burn the whole household. You guys see why I say don't play games with the enemy? Because the enemy plays for keeps. You think you're in charge, just don't mess with it. Just do not go there. You play with fire, you're going to get burnt. And Samson thought it was fun to play with fire. And now they're saying, either you tell us the secret or we're going to burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to steal our property? So then there goes Taylor. And she throws herself on Samson, and she's crying. She said, you hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. Now you know why I called her Taylor Swift. You guys get it? Just lying on the bed, just crying. Half the songs she writes. Anyway, um, 
I haven't even explained it to my father or mother, Samson replied. So why should I explain it to you? Uh-oh. Let pause there for a second. Samson tells his wife, I haven't even told my mom or dad. Why should I tell you? Samson's got the wrong priorities. <laughs> he, he's got his mama and his daddy ahead of his wife. We're gonna, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to unpack that right now. Some of, you, some of you are like, okay, here we go. It's going to get good. I've been waiting for this one. He tells her, so why should I explain it to you? And the Bible says she cried the whole seven days of the feast, but on the seventh day he finally told her because she continued to press him. And so she in turn told the riddle to her people. Now, before I get into the consequences of what happened, let me just unpack what we just saw in the scriptures. Two things happened. Number one, Taylor put her people as a priority over her husband. Taylor put her people as a priority over her husband. And Samson put his parents as a priority over his spouse. Oh, it's about to get good right now. It's about to get good right now. You see, I'm not here just to talk about relationships premarital. Let me, let me give you all some marriage advice. No one is a priority to your spouse. Nobody should ever be a priority to your spouse and not even your parents. I would even say to some of you, especially your parents, because too many of you are letting your parents wreck your marriage because you haven't cut the umbilical cord yet. And, 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 and you, you continue to compare your wife's cooking to your mama's cooking. Don't do it. Don't do it. Just leave it alone. Even if your mama cooks better, don't nobody need to know that. Just keep it to yourself. And, and what happens is Samson is putting his parents in front of his wife, and she's putting her people in front of him. And biblically, let me give you the biblical explanation of the real priorities in marriage. Genesis 2.24, it says this, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. The Bible is saying, you ain't ready to get married until you're ready to leave your family behind. You're not ready to get married until you're ready to put your spouse. She is now your new number one and everyone else is secondary. It ain't your mama. It ain't your siblings. It ain't your girlfriends. It ain't your bros. Nobody before your spouse. And, and, and this is where you began to see this marriage begin to unravel. I mean, they're only a few weeks into their marriage and it's already falling apart. And, and, and this word cleave. This word cleave is an old word, so, so I'm going to explain it to you, okay? When it says that you need to cleave to your wife, to cleave is to glue together. Everybody say glue. Glue. To stick together. To join together. And, and that is biblically how your relationship with your spouse is supposed to be. The two of you joined together. I got a sticky statement. Write this down. Write this down, okay? You can't cleave if you are not ready to leave. You cannot cleave to your spouse if you're not ready to leave mom and dad. So just stop. Just stop. Because I've seen so many marriages, this is, this is the point where they break, right here. I've seen so many marriages where this is the point where everything starts to go downhill. When two people get together, but they don't know who to put as a priority. So, so let me dive some more into this, okay? You guys ever hear the saying, you don't just marry the girl, but you marry her family? Y'all hear that saying? The devil is a liar. I rebuke that right now in Jesus' name, okay? That, that's the problem, okay? We got too many people, and let me just call out my Hispanics in the room. We especially got this wrong in the Hispanic culture. 
Like, we got to get better at this. I mean, like, the guilt we put on each other. Like, you're trying to get married, and, like, your mom's forcing you to invite some uncle you see once every seven years to the marriage, and they guilt you into it, right? They're like, like, you have to invite him. No, I don't. I don't know him. And, and we put this pressure, and, 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 and many, many families will put this pressure, and they'll say, well, if you marry her, you marry the family. No, that's not true. Okay, and if you're, what do you talk about? What do you know about marriage? I'm coming up on 19 years, okay? And I'm not saying that I've got it all figured out, but let me tell you, I figured this out. My wife and I, we figured this out the hard way. But the truth is, you have to prioritize your spouse. And, and, and I know, especially in the Hispanic culture, they're like, well, you got to treat everyone this and treat all your family like this. And they'll guilt you like this. They'll say, you got to treat all your family equally. That is a lie of the devil right now. I'll just tell you that. Let me tell you how to treat your family. Y'all ready for this? I'm going to set some marriages free right now. You treat your family fairly, but not equally. Fairly. Meaning, depending on the jacked up level of craziness of your cousin, that's how you're going to treat them. Are you guys tracking with me? You, you don't treat, well, they're your cousin. They get equal access. No, they don't. No, they don't. My, my, my cousin is an addict, and every time he comes to my house, something's missing. He doesn't get to come anymore. Okay? You tracking with me? And, and so many times we're like, treat everybody equally, treat everybody equally. No, because you can't give people access to your family, give access to your children, access to your marriage. You can't do that. You can only give people access to you if they are life-giving, not life-sucking. You all tracking with me? Thank you, Eddie. Because we do this. I remember I was counseling this gentleman. He was about six foot two. Marine, and, and, and he, he's older. He had kids who, who are now in high school getting ready to go to college, and he's a personal trainer, just yoked out. And we were talking about baptism. We want to have a conversation. Pastor, we want to talk to you about baptism. So we're having this great conversation about baptism. I mean, this guy's married, kids that are about to go to college, Marine, tough guy. And I'm like, well, so what's your deal with baptism? He goes, it's just that my mom doesn't want me to get baptized. I'm like, how old are you? Well, show me a picture of your mom. And, you know, she's like five foot two wearing a kitchen apron. You know, and you're like, she's the reason? <laughs> like, she's holding you back? I'm telling you, it's Hispanics are bad. This is real bad with the Hispanic culture. But, but, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm just kind of using that as an analogy where I've seen people make some very bad decisions because of family. Because of family. And I've seen it wreck a marriage because they're giving wrong people the wrong amount of access into their family. Now, we seem to get it right when kids come around. Like, kids come around, it starts to solve some of the problems. Because I love how, how mom and dads, it's like all of a sudden, that crazy uncle that you used to have at, let have access, the minute the kids come around, you're like, oh, no, you're good, no more. You're out of here. So it gets a little better. But it should really begin with just you and your spouse. It really just should begin with the two of you really defining who gets access, who do we allow. Because coming back to our text right here, and I told you we were going to learn from Samson. Samson got it wrong because he prioritized his parents, and Taylor got it wrong because she prioritized her village. And they had more access to each other than their spouses. Y'all tracking with me? Clap your hands if this is helping anybody. I hope this is helping some of you in your marriage. Okay. For those of you aspiring to marriage, all right? Let's go on with the story. Can I give you more of the story? Because this story is so jacked up. It's like a bad movie, okay? It keeps getting better. So here's what happens, all right? So Samson is so mad at 
Tyler because she told the 30 guys, so Samson had to pay up. So do you want to know what Samson did? He goes to a neighboring village. He finds 30 men. He kills them, takes their clothes, and gives it to the 30 men that he made a bet with. Okay, Samson, this is not who God created you to be. <laughs> You're supposed to be freeing Israel, not playing with the enemy, and not killing people to settle up on bets. And then when he comes home, he's so upset with Taylor, he said, I'm out of here. And he leaves. All right? Now, Samson just meant to go back home to his mom and dad because clearly he hadn't cut the umbilical cord. So he decides, I'm going to go back with mom and dad. But in the meantime, Taylor's daddy didn't know what was going on. She thought, well, I guess Samson doesn't want to be married to my daughter anymore. So let's read what happened with Taylor and why Taylor is bad news. Judges chapter 14, verse 20. This is going to feel like straight up out of a bad movie, okay? And Samson's wife, Taylor, was then given to his companion. She married his best man. <laughs> yeah, it's in the Bible. Okay. So, so <laughs> I love this. People are like, oh, my Lord, she's worse than Delilah. This is where the dysfunction started, okay? So Taylor is now decides, well, Samson's gone. I'll just marry his best man. And so Samson, when he cools off, decides to come back to Timnah. And when he comes back, he finds Taylor's daddy. He can't find Taylor. Taylor's not at home. So he goes to Taylor's daddy and said, Where, where's, where's Taylor at? And he said, oh, well, you know, we didn't think you were coming back. So I married her off to your best man. And then th th this, everybody say daddy issues. Look at what Taylor's dad does next. He goes, but she's got a hot little sister. You can marry her. It keeps getting bad, doesn't it? This is all in your Bible, okay? I love, I love when I tell the Bible and you guys are like, that's in there? It's all in there, okay? Maybe not the word hot, but he did say, <laughs> he did say she's prettier than her sister. That it does say. So daddy of the year says you can have her little sister. I mean, she's even prettier. And this is finally, now look at what happens. Now Samson, in a fit of rage, decides to light the vineyards and the orchards on fire. Um, of the Philistines. So he sets fire to their lands and the Philistines, and I'm going to just speed up through the story. Okay. So then all of the Philistines come out to fight. They want to capture Samson and kill him. But remember, I told you that Samson was a judge who had supernatural strength from the Holy Spirit. So Samson turns into the Hulk that day. And the Bible says he kills 1000 Philistines all by himself. He only had the bone of an animal to use as a weapon, and he killed 1,000 Philistines, okay? And, and I want you to read the next verse. So here's what happens. Next verse, after that happens, and Samson judged Israel in the days of the Philistines for 20 years. So here, here, there's two ways of looking at this, all right? Let me give you the first way of looking at this, all right? So the first way of looking at this is that even though Samson was late to figure out who he was, he eventually figured out who he was. And he, in that day when he destroyed the Philistines 1,000, the Philistines were like, okay, we're done oppressing the Israelites. We're not going to mess with them anymore. So now, finally, Samson is doing what God called him to do. But here's the more important thing, and I want you to hear me real good in this room, okay? God can redeem you even when you've jacked up. Because Samson made a huge mistake, and God still used Samson to do the very thing he needed to do. This is what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to free Israel from the oppression of the Philistines, but he had this whole, like, bad romance as a result of him being off target. And then God comes in, and he redeems it, and he works it all out. And so for 20 years, everything's peaceful. And for 20 years, everything's good. But then when you flip the page to the next chapter, Samson meets Delilah, and the cycle starts again. She's no good for him. 
goes down a bad path. And so I got to thinking, and I'm coming to a close now, and I got to thinking, what is it? Why would Samson begin this cycle again? Why would Samson, who just went through crazy with Taylor, and he, he, he's good for 20 years. That's a long time, right? 20 years. You would think he's changed, but that gives credence to the fact that time doesn't make people mature. It just makes them old. <laughs> maturity and wisdom comes with intentionality, not with age. Um, and so, so 20 years later, the cycle begins again. And I start to ask myself, what, why Samson? Why, why is Samson just so thirsty? Why, why is Samson going after the wrong girls? Why, why is he in this dysfunctional, broke-down cycle? And here's the reason why. And this is going to be countercultural, okay? We have made an idol out of marriage, we have made an idol out of marriage. And, and, and here's what I mean by that. Marriage is a good thing. Marriage is a gift. Marriage is something that God gives to us. We make it an idol when we put the wrong expectations out of a marriage. What's the wrong expectation? When you're broken and you know you're broken and you think by getting married, it'll fix you. That it's not going to fix you. We talked about this several years ago where we talked about men that maybe you have an addiction to pornography and they think, if I can just get married, it's going to fix it. It won't. Talk, talk to any man that's ever had to come out of that. They'll, tell, they'll be the first one to tell you, I thought if I just got married, all of this would go away. No, no, it's not going to go away. And the same thing, women, if you got daddy issues and you don't get that fixed before you bring it into the marriage, getting marriage doesn't fix your daddy issues. And, and, and so you, you come into a marriage thinking, this is why... We make an idol out of marriage. We, we come into a marriage thinking that this marriage is going to complete me. Why? Because Disney Channel jacked us up when it comes to romance. And not just Disney Channel. Hallmark has some blood on their hands too, right? Those Hallmark Christmas movies where you know it's coming, but you sit down and watch it anyway. She's going to leave the rich executive and marry the farmer. You know what's going to happen. Something about the flannel and the boots, you know what I mean? But you, she does it anyway. You know, you watch it anyway, right? And, and we have this notion, and they lived happily ever after. All of the married people, you know that after you said, I do, you lived, but it won't happily ever after. There were some fights in there. There were some nights on the couch in there. Maybe there were some nights out of the house and sleeping with friends in there. And, 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 and today, you, you can look back and say, listen, it was a lot of things, but it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. There were some moments in there where it got difficult. And the problem is people come into a marriage thinking this person will complete me. And let me just give you some language. A person will compliment you, but they will not complete you. When you find, and the Bible says when you find a wife, you found a good thing. When you have found that good thing, they are there to compliment you, but not complete you. The only person who can complete you is God. The only person who can complete you is Jesus. The only person that's going to bring... You into the person that you're supposed to be. It's not a person, it's Jesus. That's it. And so what happens is you enter into a relationship thinking, this person is going to fix me, and it's unfair, the expectations that you have put on that person because you are asking them to do something that only God can do for you. But we've so idolized marriage. Marriage will fix it. Marriage will fix it. Marriage will fix it. No, it won't. You need Jesus and counseling. That's what you need. And then you can get married. But this thought that marriage is going to fix my brokenness, it will not. Last note, asking a person, no, second is the last note. Asking a person to complete you is asking them to do what only God can do. And so 
Even when you are married, and for all the married folks in the room, come make some noise if you're happily married in the tent. I'm giving you a lob, guys. Come on. Make some noise on my happily married people. You had an opportunity to get loud, okay? That was my layup. You, you missed. Okay, anyway. Coming up on 19 years, like I said, I'm choosing my word. I'm being very calculated here. We're coming up on 19 years here. And as I said a minute ago, um, as I said a minute ago, it's not always been easy. It's, it's, it's not always been a walk in the park. But I can say we've never loved each other more than we love each other right now. And, 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 and listen, the presence of love isn't the absence of friction. It's not in my notes, but write it down. I was officiating a wedding for a couple. And I said this to them because they, they were supposed to get married in 2020. Big old ceremony, all of that. Well, guess what happened? Pandemic, right? So no ceremony, no nothing. Got married in the courts. Had a ceremony later. And that was your daughter. And I said, I said this to them. I said, what did we learn from, what did we learn from COVID? What did we learn? And I, I said this. The stability of your marriage is going to be on your flexibility with one another. So my sticky statement was your stability will be in your flexibility. And I know it seems like, how can my stability be in my flexibility? You are going to go through highs and lows, ups and downs, mountains and valleys, high points and low points. And if you cannot be flexible with the person that God has given you to be your wife, if you're going to be rigid all of the time, you're going to run that relationship into a wall. But the marriages that I have seen survive are the ones that even though they are going through dark nights and, and and my wife and I we settled on this a long time ago we said I don't care how bad it gets divorce is not an option it's just not there are a lot of things we can do but divorce is not an option and, and and we have just clung to that and we have said that that will never be an option we will go to counseling we will do a lot of other things but divorce it's off the table it's never on the table as a matter of fact we don't even use that word in the house and that's not because, oh, you got it perfect. No, it's not that we've got it perfect. But this is the last thing that we do. And this is the last thing that I hope will help you, okay? This is true before you get married. And this is true after you get married. And this is where we get it wrong with marriages, okay? Here it is. Focus on becoming the right person. Focus on becoming the right person. Rather than putting so much emphasis on finding the right person, because we do that before marriage, where we're like, I got to find the right person. I got to find the right person. I got to find the right person. Listen, the best thing you can do is focus on becoming the right person. You focus first on you. You become the person God has designed you to be. You become the person that God has created you to be. You have got to get in relationship with your creator, hear his voice over your life, understand the calling, the unique, the unique gifting that he has for your life, and become that person. And along the way, if God's plan for you is to marry, and along the way, he will bring the right person to you. But listen to me, it doesn't stop there, everybody, husbands and wives, because this is where a lot of husbands get it wrong. They marry her and they think, ah, I got her. Now I can relax and chill. No, you can't. You got to keep on pursuing your wife. You got to keep on chasing her. You got to keep on winning her heart. In other words, you got to keep on working at being the right person. You can't stop. And so many men stop pursuing their wives. I mean, before you marry her, they're like, this guy's the man. And then all of a sudden, you're like, eh, what is this? Just plays video games all day and watches Sports Center. Like, he used to buy me flowers, you know what I mean? And now they're making songs about it. Anyway, going on. 
men, let, let me speak to the men here. You got to keep being the right person. And, and remember what I told you guys about the altar of expectation that, that women change? Okay, remember? That was week one. Go back to that if you're like, what are you talking about? The altar of expectation that the men will change and the women will never. And it ends up being the both, right? It's like, no, the, the men, you know what I mean? And they don't. And the women, they change a lot. Listen to me. As your wife changes men, you need to keep becoming the right person for her. And what that means is sometimes you just got to sit down and say, in this season of life, how, tell me, show me how to love you. And you become that person. Because it changes. And in her 20s, see, my wife and I, we got married really young. Thank God we're still here today because she was 20 and I was 23. But, uh, um, but uh, her needs at 20 are different when she's 30 and they're different when she's, when you know, when she gets there, we're not allowed to say that word. So when she, she's always in the, her thirties forever, the calendar changes, but she doesn't anyway, but, uh, but seriously, as, as your wife ages, men, the best thing you can do is figure out what you can be for her now in this season of her life and become that person. This is what I mean. Never stop becoming. Never stop becoming. Never stop becoming. Never stop becoming. Some people are like, become the right person and then you're going to find your spouse and then you get to stop. No, you don't. You keep on going and you keep on becoming. Women, you keep on becoming the spouse that your husband needs. Men, you keep on becoming the spouse that your wife needs. You never stop becoming. You don't, don't give up. Don't stop trying. Don't stop working. And I'm always so amazed because there's been times when there's marriages where they've come to me and they're like, Pastor, we need counseling. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, this ain't going to work. Like, this is going downhill fast. And I've seen God radically change people. And I'm like, oh, my God, he did it. But typically it happened because two people agreed to start becoming. Not, well, this is just who I am. You're stuck with me. No, 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 no. Let's be flexible, okay? Let, let, let's be flexible and let's concentrate on becoming. So I'm talking to every single person here. Become the person God designed you to be. To every married person here, become the spouse that your spouse needs for you to be. Let me pray over you right there where you're at. Close your eyes and bow your heads. We're done. Thank you guys for listening in. Let me bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for everyone that is here. I thank you, God, that they came. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others. Or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.